0: be careful with you know we've also, also obviously six those been uh slowed down a little bit and,
1: and our depth's going to get tested uh right away so uh you know hang on here
2: we go hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of fish fights the miami herald's miami marlins pod- podcast now also a weekly segment on slam radio's miami herald sports hour on sirius xm i'm jordan mcpherson Joined once again by Andre
0: Fernandez, Dre. How've you been, buddy? I'm doing great, man. But I want—I'm just letting you know that as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm gonna go do some 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 heavy lifting work on my arms because I have a little like arm envy after after seeing that that photo of Don Mattingly this weekend in the pool. I mean, Donnie's got guns, man. He's jacked, dude. It's you would
2: not expect. I mean, we knew already knew we knew Donnie was fit, but That took it to
0: another level. I mean, he didn't have those arms when he was with the Yankees uh, as a player. Like, he's got better arms now. You know, what is he now, 59? He's pushing 60, and he's got better arms than than most 20-, 30-year-olds have. I mean, that that was impressive. That definitely was impressive. Yeah, he turned 60 on the 20th, so he's
2: about two weeks away. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But speaking of arms, and this is probably the worst way to segue into it, the Marlins are losing theirs really, really quickly. I mean, yeah, we've mentioned throughout all of camp, throughout the entire offseason, basically for the last couple of years now, starting pitching is going to be their strength. It's going to be what they live and die by. It's going to be what determines if they're going to be able to contend for any sort of relevance in the playoff race by the end of the year. They're already down Six O Sanchez, who has mild inflammation in his throwing shoulder. They're down Eliezer Hernandez, who has nerve, who has inflammation in his right bicep tendon. That's two of your main starters three games into the season. How concerned should they be right now, Dre?
0: That's okay. They can just hop on Donnie's arms. It's all good. It's all good. He'll carry him to the playoffs just like he did last year. Got another manager of the year. No, but it, in, in all seriousness, it is a concern because, look, I mean, we don't know. Six though, you're thinking probably around a month maybe at this point by the time he has to build back up and everything. And then least, or that didn't sound like a very good – that could be a little bit – not, you know, prolonged a bit, but at least you're, you're, you're getting to this point now where you're st- trying to get off to a good start. Who knows? Uh, you, you, you you said it exactly the right way. Who knows when Edward Cabrera is going to come back? And now you're depending on guys that really they've gotten their feet wet in the majors, but it's not like you're talking about guys that really have a lot of major league experience. I mean, Trevor Rogers pitched a little bit last year. You know, Nick Neidert hasn't pitched uh, much at all. You know, Daniel Castano was okay last year in his start better than we expected, but, he hasn't been through a full year either, Braxton Garrett. Not saying we're going to need; they may need them for a full season, but they could need them for a pretty significant little chunk here, where you you want to avoid falling into a hole early, especially with you know the competition that they're going to have to face. So, yes, it, it it's always you know you see the depth. More importantly, I think this is going to be a a, a real test for the bullpen because the bullpen was up and down this weekend, had some good moments, had some bad ones. I know we're going to get to that in a little bit, but especially early in the season when the plan was innings management, you know, to not burn a lot of these guys out early, these arms are going to have to be put into some pretty important spots. And you look at the schedule coming up too. I mean, it's early in the season, but a lot of the teams that you expect to be contending, the Cardinals had had a rough series to start. But then you've got the Mets. I mean, the Braves after that, who they're off to an 0-3 start. So they're going to come out blazing the next few, probably the next week or so to try and get back on track. So, I mean, I think the relief arms is where this kind of takes a – you know, the onus is on them to kind of keep things afloat right now, even more than the guys that are going to step up and actually be in those starting roles. Because a lot of guys are probably going to pitch four or five innings, maybe six if you're lucky but they're gonna kind of be around that area where you're still gonna have to have those guys you know be clutch in those final innings
2: yeah and to go back with that timeline for six so just looking back at spring training once he got back from that false positive covid test it took him three weeks just to get to the getting his fourth up and getting a 60 pitches so depending on how long the rest is that's at least a month to get him to the pitch count, and then you're going to want him to at least go at least one or two more times to make sure he's ready. So we're already at – it's early April right now. I mean, I would think probably late May, early June at the best for Sixto right now, which when you were anticipating potentially the second homestand, that's a big loss.
0: Yeah. Well, they, these three days off, these three, these three strategic days off, have come in even bigger now than we than than we thought they were going to be, in terms of keeping a, probably a four man rotation of sorts going for the next you know couple weeks. But yeah, after that, I mean, you look at six. Though, going even further back, I mean, this is a guy you don't want to you know burn too hard either because you know coming off the injury a couple of years ago, they've gradually always been careful with him, little by little. And now, yeah, like you said, I mean, it took a little while to get him ready just to start the season, and now you see this happening. They're not going to rush anything. This is a long term with him. They want to make sure he's okay. I mean, if they get their, if they, if they accomplish their goal, and they're actually, you know, they're in it later on in the season, they're still afloat. Maybe it ends up being a good thing because then you're going to have all these guys back and they're going to be fresher than they were. And then all that innings management has has had a boost of sorts because then they're not going to have pitched all these innings, and then you can save that for later on. So maybe, but that bridge to get to that is the part that's going to be very hard to, to come by if if the bullpen especially, I go back to them because they're going to have to really step up and, and pitch a lot of clutch innings the next few weeks.
2: And you're probably going to need Sandy and Pablo to go – seven innings every single night, every single yeah. time they go out there. Well, and yeah. I mean, we got some good stuff out of them the first two starts. Sandy, six scoreless, two walks, two hits. I think it was seven strikeouts. Pablo, five scoreless, two hits allowed, two walks allowed, four Ks. They both look good. So when they're out there, we're seeing what the Marlins want to see.
0: And, that, and that's the other thing, too, is where you have to delicately balance that, too, because you know Sandy can handle it. He's your workhorse and all that. But any pitcher, you don't want him seven, eight, every time something like that. And at the same time, Pablo has an injury history that, knock on wood, he's been good, but you don't want to also overtax him as well as you go through this. So, again, it's going to be a lot of you know, strategic, you know, again, we go to the innings management term with them too. you know, relying on them to be your guys, to be your horses, to get you through this, but at the same time, not overburdening them either. And again, it goes back to those like relief arms that are going to have to be big. So that doesn't happen.
2: Yeah. And let's touch on those bullpen arms. I mean, we saw a lot of up and down throughout the first three games, which is to be expected. I mean, Jimmy Garcia, the eighth inning on opening day, gives up the go-ahead home run to Austin Meadows, bounces back on Friday and gets a shutout inning. Anthony Bass gets rocked in his first go-out on Friday, gives up a three-run home run to Wendell, comes back with a scoreless ninth. Richard Blatter gives up a home run on Friday, has a scoreless inning on Saturday. We see Paul Campbell, who has to come in for Eliezer Hernandez, and really impressed in my book considering the situation he had come into Zach pop who I've been high on had a scoreless inning we're seeing a lot of good in there it's just a matter of getting that rust off and seeing if they can actually perform at the level that the Marlins hoped for when they started rebuilding this thing
0: yeah high five on pop by the way because that was that was why you were on him since the beginning of the of spring training once he started pitching he looked good and only one outing, but so far so good with him. It's way too early. I mean, look, and that, that shows right there kind of how it can be a little inconsistent now early in the season as guys are settling in. You know, the the, the batters they're facing are still settling in too a, a little bit. So it's really hard to tell right now, but at least you see the glimpses of the potential of of this bullpen. You know, most nights you hope for the positive side of it and how that combination can come together. And you see a lot of these strike throwers really start to show what they're made of. And, again, it's the same thing. It's going to have to be that way because look how easily – like I point to the second game in the series and look how easily it looked like they were going to finally get a victory late and then boom, you know, home run later – and you're looking at another loss and then even you know even with the offensive outburst they had on on Saturday the bullpen still didn't really shut it completely down so you have to you have to wonder you know you're not going to always get that 12-run outburst the way they have especially at home it's going to be a lot of pressure on them to to keep this going for these first few weeks especially with, with when you look past Sandy and Pablo and you see a lot of rookies, a lot of guys that are still rookies.
2: Yeah, but also knock on wood with the Saturday game, you're also not going to be looking at your bullpen to go five and two thirds after starter leaves with injury or six and two thirds. Sorry about that. So, right. so the fact that I mean the fact that Paul Campbell threw two solid innings, Adam Simber got roughed up. I'm not going to lie there; he got roughed up when he had to come in in the fifth, but. Right. But the rest of the pen on that day looked pretty good, all things considered. But yeah. again, it's I mean, just a lot of they. The pen got taxed, up, got pushed on a lot, and luckily they had the off day Sunday that, that, to recoup before
0: yeah. Monday. That's what needs to happen. I mean, they need this. That, that that was that was the perfect example of the kind of performances they need from them. You know, while these guys are out, because and again, mean, you know, we we're saying this now. Who knows? I mean, hopefully not for their sake. But what if another one happens like that, and and then all of a sudden you're even more, you know, the the ride gets even bumpier. Like like Donnie said, it, I'm, I'm telling you, the the most important part was the the unit that they wanted to bolster all all off season. The guys that they they basically revamped that entire that entire group for the most part, except for Yumi. So now is when those guys really need to be consistent and more often than not show up and, and and keep things patched together. Yeah. And now with the
2: lack of depth or losing losing of depth that they're having in that rotation, how much is it hurt now that their fallback plan, which again was Gio Gonzalez, how that with that not yeah. panning out now, just that could have been the situation where we would have seen him if his body would have allowed him to keep going.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you—I was waiting for you to bring up the uh, free agent possibilities here, and I, I know we were going to talk about that. And you mentioned the, uh, you know, a couple of guys I saw in your notebook that that could be out there. Do they go after an arm? I think they may have to. I think they may. I think they may have to seriously consider it because of the fact that. You don't know when the next guy could break. I mean, unfortunately you have to think that way. You have to think what if. And yeah, it's a it's really, really a shame, you know, that Geo couldn't have been because he would have been pitching, he would have been starting at the next possible opportunity, or you would have seen him definitely you would have seen like you would have probably seen him in the in that game. You would have seen him take a long relief appearance potentially after Eliezer went down you know, to not tax the bullpen or a situation similar like that. It was just such value if he could have been able to really put it together and at least been, you know, somewhat effective. But unfortunately, you know, things happen. But, yeah, I I, I would strongly consider, you know, going after someone in the next uh, week or so because you, you can't rely – you can't just say, okay, now these guys are going to come up. Okay, what do we have another one?
2: Yeah, definitely. and definitely – courtesy of our good old friends over at fan the top three available free agent starting pitchers that are still out there on the market. You've got Rick Percello, you've got mm-hmm. Homer Bailey and you've got good old friend, any ball Sanchez.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be a heck of a homecoming for Anniball If we can get him. you know, get back one of the guys that's thrown a no hitter for this franchise. I mean, you look at Rick Porcello, too. I mean, the, the experience he's had as a starter. I mean, what he did with the Red Sox. You know, I mean, this is, a, this is a former Cy Young guy. I mean, you bring him in. I mean, I know he's a little later in his career now. He's 32. But still, I mean, a guy with his experience to bring them him in and have him at least, you know, plug some of the gaps here. And, and I mean, you're talking two guys are going to be down probably at least a month. It, it's a rotate. It's a solid rotation piece that you could bring in and plug in there. And he's going to be there, making at least maybe four or five starts during a crucial point in the season, potentially at least in terms of, like I said before, avoiding, a, you know, bearing yourself early. I, I would do it.
2: Yeah, and if the Marlins opt to go against that route and they try to stay internal. This first month, as a reminder, guys, since the minor league season doesn't start until May 2nd, teams are only allowed to dip into their alternate training site to bring in guys from inside. The mm-hmm. Marlins' only real candidates in terms of starting pitching are, as Andre mentioned earlier, you got Nick Knider, you got Daniel Casano, you got Braxton Gary, and then you have career minor leaguer Sean Morimondo as really the only yeah. four options in there. Dre, if if you're playing general manager right now, who are you? Who are you picking up to bring in for that next that next start?
0: I mean, up? I I think experience wise, I think Castano gets a nod because you know he made some made some starts last year, so we know he can do it. We know he's a guy that you know. Hopefully, he gets five innings. I know every every time last year we made one that more, joke. It was like
2: one more, one more,
0: four, Mister Four and Two Thirds guy I could never get a freaking win, but. No, but in all seriousness, I think his experience I think is one. Braxton hasn't started much yet. You can take the chance; you can put him in there and 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 have him continue to try and develop. But I know they wanted to see to gradually bring him along a little more. That's why I kind of like Castano the most, and Niter too, because I think Niter has shown a lot, and I think he's ready for his chance to have a steady spot there. So I'd say one of the two. If you want to bring up Sean. To have a chance as well, again, it's sort of similar to Knight, to um, Braxton, I'm sorry, in, in the sense of they just haven't had that much experience. So right now, I would go with maybe the, mo- the, the, the most experience possible. There's not much of it, but obviously you, you want to have the guy that's been there the most that you can rely on to maybe go in there and eat some innings for you. And I think out of all those guys, Castano's the one.
2: Yeah, I mean, Castano was – that double heather guy which the marlins as we all know had a lot of double heathers last year yeah so he was the guy who he has the most innings and i think i remember writing during the offseason just in terms of the base stats among castano Sixto, and trevor rogers all three of them made seven starts or made seven appearances because castano's (sighs) last one was six plus out of the pen at the yankees which got him his got him that win
0: yeah, But fine. <laughs> I mean,
2: of, in terms of just base stats, ERA, batting average against all that, Costano was actually the best of the three in terms of just the base numbers, which obviously we know things will probably regress to the mean, people figuring him out, figuring, again, the lefty, being a lefty helps. But Costano definitely has the experience. But Don Madden was really high on Nick Neier during camp. They liked what they saw from him. Last season, in 2019, when he made his debut that first weekend, and then he was one of those guys that got tested positive for COVID, and he just wasn't the same when he came back. They kept him in the bullpen the whole time, but they see him as theoretically a number four or number five long-term. They like the repeatability of his pitches. They like that he's able to have some deception with his pitches, and he throws – four different pitches for strikes. So, I mean, depending on whether you want a lefty or a righty, I feel like it could basically just be a coin toss between Costano and Niter.
0: Well, he, and here's the case for Niter too. And, and this is just from a prospect perspective from, you know, just the, the work I've done the last few months with them. The The impression of him is always, you know, the, it's a low, it's a, it, it, it's a high floor. In other words, you, you know what you're going to get. And I think that's a good case for him, too, because while he's not really a guy that projects as an ace or a guy that's like a top-of-the-rotation guy, but he's solid, he's dependable. And in a situation like this where you need that, I think he fits in perfectly, even though he doesn't have the experience yet. But I think, you know, he's long overdue for his chance. Only injuries and illnesses have gotten in the way. But beside that, I think the the, the weight how he projects as a pitcher is perfect in that spot because you know, you're going to get solid innings from him for the most part. I don't think he's a guy that, that, you know, is prone to maybe getting lit up and a situation where, it, you know, it can always happen, but he just projects more with his stuff, with his repeatability, like you mentioned, he can come in and and you can count on him at least being that solid guy, very similar to Costano where last year he brought you brought him in in those situations you talked about and it was the perfect guy to get in there and stabilize things and and, and keep things going you know solidly for you and put and put up good results and I think that's why I think either I mentioned Costano, but I think one either of those two I think are, are would be in a good spot right now the best spot I think in terms of dependability.
2: Definitely. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back to the second half of the show, we'll go from talking about all the pitching to everything on offense that we saw from the first few games and what we can hope to expect as the season continues on. So we'll be right back. All right, everyone. Second half of the show's here. Uh, Dre, we saw basically two different sides of the offense throughout the home, throughout the first series with the Rays. We saw them get shut out three hits, which again, Tyler Glass now was really fantastic. And the back end of the Rays bullpen is always pretty good. And then the second two games, they get 24 hits. They score 16 runs. You get the 14 hit outing in the 12, seven win to close up the series. We saw some pretty good balance up and down the lineup. Just, your overall thoughts on what you saw from them?
0: Way too early to tell. Uh, that, that, yeah. That's that's That to me – look, opening days tend to be low scoring for the most part because your aces are out there, and I get that. But even in the second game, you know, they did most of their damage in that one inning. So I've still seen more of that than what I saw on Saturday. And I'm not saying they're not capable of doing that, but I think it's just, it's more like, let's see if they can repeat that kind of success. And I'm talking going forward, not just one game here, one game there, but let's let's get that a few days in a row or maybe, you know, more consistently before you make any judgments. But it is a it is a snapshot of what the lineup is capable of. And I think it's the mixture of, you know, we talked about the six stolen bases leading the league right now and the way jazz jazz to me is the biggest takeaway in terms of position players right now. Just this is what they hope for. And we hope that he can they hope that he can continue to do this because look at look how dynamic a player he is, the how much he, you know, not just with his power, but look when he gets on base, how much he can disrupt and steal. And and, and and then, you know, the personality is obviously just a bonus. They haven't had that kind of, like, you know, uh, dynamic, exciting rookie to really say – you always see that. You always see the guy, oh, this guy hit a home run in his first at bat, and then he's, like, oh, the big personality. They finally have one of those guys, and, and it's showing now with Jazz. So, anyway, I'm getting on a tangent with Jazz, but I, I just was – that was the biggest, like, the most fun part of this early weekend for me. And but overall, in terms of the lineup, Coop had a great start. You know, I know he's motivated as they all are to prove everybody wrong, but I think it's too early to tell. But you you do see the power. You do see the way that the lineup is constructed now. Duvall, too. You know, here's a guy they brought in for that same reason. He showed glimpses of that as well. So if it all clicks. More often than not, but it's also doing it against quality arms because, as we know, you talked about Glass now. I mean, Glass now is just the beginning. They're going to see a ton of these aces all over the National League, so it's doing what they did Saturday against that kind of pitching. Until they can at least start to do a little bit more of that, and I'm not saying necessarily have 12 runs off the Grom, but I'm saying elements of where you're not just completely shut down, where you're showing. You know, you're competitive. You're getting some runs on the board, and and every day getting yourself a chance. That's when we can say, all right, this Marlins lineup is a lot better.
2: Yeah, and I'm gonna go back to Jazz as well because I just want to go through that one sequence he had in the in the Saturday game. Draws a walk, steals second on a pickoff attempt. <laughs> one pitch later, steals third, and then scores on a sack fly that's barely into shallow right field. Just you see the energy. Yeah. I think the the sprint speed going from second to third on the stolen base was I think it was just over thirty miles per hour, which is defined as elite. And yeah. then from third to home was I think twenty eight points something, which is faster than anything he did last year, regardless. So, and then of course you have to, how can we talk about jazz and not talk about the blue hair? I think the Marlins themselves basically said, yeah, we're gonna get, we're considering him signing like the hedgehog right now, <laughs> which. Yeah. Again, how none of us thought of that, I'm still beating myself up for that. Which again, yeah. props to the Marlin social media team that's been coming up with solid stuff with jazz basically all spring.
0: But rings flying everywhere. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah but Jazz again, he just he brings that. I mean, we've talked about the energy that he brings, but he brings that knack for starting rallies and just energizing the roster. I mean, he had the he had the triple in the game on Sat on Friday to start the rally. To start the rally in the in the seventh inning. And he finds ways to either get on base or even if he's not getting on base, every ball he's hit has basically been hard hit.
0: So he's yeah. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, no. Actually, I'm glad you said the hard hit part, because that's where I was going to go with on that. And I'm like, we still haven't even seen the power manifest yet. You know, even truly, we know it's going to be a little bit of time. He's still a rookie and all of that, but need more jazz. And I don't just mean need more jazz himself. I I mean, need more jazz out of that system in the terms of that type of prospect that type of player forget prospect that type of player to come out and then you hope that you could say soon in the in the coming year maybe two years okay they hit right on jazz that's what we need to see we need to say they they hit right on jazz they hit right on blood day hit right on a lot of these draft picks they've made in the last couple years there's a lot of hope for but it, it was it was refreshing to finally see someone that came up and made an impact and you could tell that this isn't a mirage like this is part of who he's going to be you know because a lot of times we've seen prospects the last couple of years that come up and they struggle and it happens but it was almost like all the time like when are they going to have that guy that comes up and you know comes out and really really plays like, like you know you know what I mean? you, you, you get what I'm trying to say like yeah, yeah, yeah. not a Juan Soto necessarily or a Cunha, that type but but something like giving something like where he's making sports center and generating an excitement like that. So it was good to see that that jazz is starting to to, to show that and maybe he is going to be consistently that type of player.
2: Yeah. And since I brought up the hair, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on the blue hair when you saw it the first time?
0: (laughs) Loved it. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, it, 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 you know, blue hair, purple hair, whatever you call it, it's something, it's something that'll get people excited. And that's what, and and that's what the, this franchise for, for, you know, for a while now is needed. It's, it needs those dynamic personalities. It needs something to get people excited about the teams. It's a, to have a presence in Miami, you know what I mean? Where it's not just the heat and it's not just, Hey, what the, you know, what's going on at spring practices with the hurricanes, with, with the dolphins, that's all fine, but have the Martins have a place there too and get some excitement, some true excitement going with the team. And I think faces and names and players you can identify really brings that. And I think jazz, this is the beginning of what could be, him making himself into a name in this town for a while.
2: We had a chance to talk with Jazz ahead of opening day in a group media Zoom setting about his anticipation for the season, what he can bring to the team, and of course the blue hair. Here is that interview with Jazz Chisholm Jr. Um, before we get to
1: baseball
0: nitty gritty, uh, you have to tell us about this look.
1: Um, so when I came into the spring training, Uh, With the blonde and Sandy Alcantara was like, hey, if you come on opening day, I want it to be blue. So I was like, I got you, bro. You know me. I got it. I got got the flow for you. No problem with that. Um, And then a a follow-up unrelated, uh, where
2: do you think or how do you think you make the biggest impact for this team?
1: Um, I feel like I can help the team at any time, you know with the bat, with my legs, with my glove. So I got to go out there and focus every pitch, every play, no matter if I'm on base, uh, on defense,
2: or in the batter's box. Let's go to Jordan. Yeah, hey there, Jazz. Uh, has the reality sunk in yet that in about four hours you're going to be on the field for opening day for the first time?
1: Um, probably not yet. Really, I don't even feel like it's going to sink in when the game comes around. I feel like I'm going to just go out there and do my thing and try and help us to win as best as I can. So I feel like that's it's just going to be like that all the time. Steve Wine, Jazz, you seem like a guy who's pretty butterfly-proof, uh, or is that not true? Will there be butterflies today? Um, I don't feel like there's going to be butterflies today, you know. It's good. Ba- the baseball field is what take, takes away my butterflies, you know what I mean? So, I don't feel like I'm going to have any butterflies out there going for my first opening day. Uh, Craig, intervene. Yeah, is there
2: a big celebration going on in uh, Nassau here <laughs> today? They got. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to be tuned in, huh?
1: Uh, probably. A lot of people wanted to come to the game today, but, you know, we have some restrictions going on and – a lot of flights are uh, restricted and stuff like that in the Bahamas. So, I mean, they're going to be tuned in and I'm going to hear every pitch or get a million videos from just the Bahamas tonight,
0: probably. Just after. We've, yeah. we've asked you before, sorry, um, but when did you start dreaming about this, you know, young Jazz Chisholm to be an opening day starter in the major leagues? I've been dreaming about this
1: from when I was about two to three years old. I've always said it, and now it's finally coming to life. So, I mean, I'm excited. Ethan? Thanks, Jason. Yeah, Jazz, you're always a guy that brings energy and swag to the park. So, are you trying to make a statement because it's opening day with this look right now? And how much energy – like, are you going to take it up a notch on opening day today? Um. I mean, I'm going to just do me. I'm not trying to take it any higher, any lower. I'm just trying to be myself, go out there, have fun, and, you know, like, just enjoy the game the way it comes, you know. And then follow-up, who's on the jersey, and when can we get you in a Miami Heat jersey? LaMelo Ball is on the jersey. Um, I mean, he's always been my favorite player from – he was, like, a freshman in high school, so, I mean – Today was my opening day and he wore number two this year and I'm wearing number two this year. So, I mean, why not, you know, try to meet up with him sometime this year. Maybe it depends if it does happen. It will be pretty cool, though. Daniel. Hey, Jazz. Also, I got to ask about the blue. Do you think we can ever get the blue jerseys? Because those blue jerseys seem like they're, they're magical. We walk into the blue hair. The Charlotte jersey has some blue on. You think we get the blue jerseys? Man, honestly, we might. We, we might have to get the blue jerseys this year. I'm not going to lie to you. The blue jerseys are very – I love them. They're tough. They're very tough.
2: Scott. So, Jazz, did I hear you uh, correctly that you're almost butterfly proof that nothing really phases you whatsoever then, does it?
1: (laughs) Butterfly proof. I wouldn't say anybody's butterfly proof, but I feel like when it comes to baseball, I don't feel like I'll have any butterflies.
2: That's fair. Thank you. Peter. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Hey, Jazz. Uh, By all accounts, Uh, Tyler Glasnow, he's been working on a new pitch this offseason, the Slutter. Uh, How do you like to prepare before games in terms of analyzing the starter you're due to face? Thanks.
1: Uh, I mean, I faced Peter Glasnow last year when I first got called up, so I got a little taste of the fastball and the curveball, and I guess he added a new pitch this year. I mean... To me, I'm going to just go out there and play baseball. You know, I go up there on my approach, stay to the middle of the field and do what I do best, and and that's, like, do damage.
2: And to transition just to a few of the other guys really quick, Uh, Starling Marte, seven hits in the final two games, probably their best pure hitter in terms of just being able to get on base, find a way to get on there, and – no one really talks about him. I get it. He was the trade at the. He was a trade the deadline. He was basically here for a year, going to be here for a year and a month to get everybody else ready. But this guy's going to do a lot for this club this year, whether people realize it or not.
0: He's the steady. He's going to be the steady force, kind of like a, his namesake that used to be on this team was that steady guy that's going to play all the time or. Maybe he's not going to play 162 like 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 the the old the former Starling did, but the professionalism, the the quality at bats that he's going to give you, you know, game in and game out. This is a guy that's that again we've talked about consistency. This is one of the pieces in that lineup that more often than not you, he's not going to be a hole in the lineup. He's not going to give you, you know, everyone has slumps, but you don't you don't you don't expect him to go through some horrible stretch you know what i mean he's gonna be more often than not the guy that will give you a quality at bat that will get on base that will drive in runs and he's in that perfect spot in the lineup where he can set kind of set the table or, or keep it going for all the big bats that that are behind him and, and again he he could end up being you know i don't want to say maybe mvp but he could be close to one of the most valuable players they will have this year if he continues to do what he's doing.
2: Yeah, and speaking of those big bats, Cooper, Aguilar, Duvall, three guys, two spots, throw Dickerson in there as well, I guess, when you're ben- when you're benching him against lefties early like Donnie's been doing so far. Yeah. But just the way that they have to maneuver through all this, when you're basically looking at outside of Marte, your three most important bats, and you're only able to get two of them in every single day because – As has been mentioned, there's no designated hitter this year in the NL, and this is one of the rare times where not having an extra hitter is actually hurting the Marlins or because they actually have the extra body in there that could actually do some damage.
0: Yeah, I I mean, and it's league-wide. I mean, I think it's time by now. I mean, you you look at the way some of these – even like long-term contracts have been structured around the league with some of the superstars. Like, you know, a lot of these guys down the road, you're going to need them to, to keep playing in some capacity and the DH is going to f- facilitate that. And then you don't want to limit guys that come in and, and are, aren't able to play maybe for national league teams or could play more for American league teams or things like that. Like it's just so many levels where the DH is beyond necessary now. Not just affecting only the Marlins, but in their case, yeah, it's unfortunate. But there's other teams out there too that may have that have guys that you don't want to limit into a platoon situation because of that. And, and it's really a shame. So it's just it's in our face here because we're seeing it specifically in this situation. But I think it's long overdue.
2: Definitely is, and we've heard multiple players talking about how they're wanting to see it happen. But again, it's basically it's being used as a bargaining chip at this point with the collective bargaining agreements happening, which needs to be figured out by December. So knock on wood, we're going to see it full time and once 2022 rolls around, but it would have been really nice to have seen it this year as well, especially with pitchers not hitting it all last year. And you're talking about the health and safety stuff. We saw Lab yeah. happened with Zach Allen during the off seat, during the spring training? We saw Tyler Glass now just having a stand there because he had back tightness right before opening day, so it took it bats away that basically stopped momentum a couple times during this series, and going to happen more more than we can probably more than we can count probably down the road this season.
0: Yeah, you already have enough sometimes when pitchers are getting occasionally can get hit by line drives or whatnot. Now you're putting them more at risk there, back there, too. I mean, it, it, even at the lower levels, like even at the, you know, youth levels and even I, I think, you know, you see pitch pitchers are hitting less. They're, they're using more DH now than ever before. I mean, it just makes too much sense to to do it. For many different reasons in the majors. Hopefully they can work it out with the CBA going forward.
2: Yep. And as we get near the end of this, Dre, just overall one or two things as we get into the Cardinals series and then as we get into the first road trip, what are you looking for from this club as we can as they get into week two?
0: I mean again, it's game four, five and six, so it's still again super, super early. But I mean I I, I wanna keep seeing there's still pitchers that haven't even thrown yet. There's still guys that, you know, we're going to see more of, but again, it's, it's working out the early kinks, trying to be, you know, consistent with approaches of the plate. I think the pieces will click together at times, but you know, it's, again, it's going to be a daunting, you know, day in and day out the pitching that that this team is going to face, unfortunately because of the division they're in. But I I just want to see consistency. And I think, I think you're going to see, you don't question the effort of this team because I think since last year, even this weekend, you saw it, you know, even in defeat, like they were, they were competitive in every, in every game. And that's what I want to continue to see is just, you know, regardless of it's if it's a win or loss, like, like just continue to compete because those wins will come. And I think on the hitting side, the, the the good results will continue if you continue to do so. And then again, I'll say it for like the eighth time on this podcast: I gotta see it from the bullpen also. And then it's not gonna be perfect. I realize that, but you have to have those clutch innings and guys just you know continue to battle and 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 really eat up those innings that are necessary as as they continue to push forward without the starters.
2: And with that, that's going to conclude our
0: episode of Fish
2: Bites for this week. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. And you can follow us along at miamiherald.com sports for all of our day-to-day updates. And we will be back again next week for Andre Fernandez. And more more jazz. And a lot more jazz. Uh, Thanks so much, everyone. And we'll be back again next week.